You are listening to the Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 38. Today, I talked to Beth Johnston. This came up as a question in a group of, can we determine the life that we want? Can we be a part-time surgeon and still be a good surgeon? Can we be a good mother? Dr. Johnston and I talk about a strategy that shows us, yes, yes, you can. You can create the life that you want with intention. It's possible and it's doable. And from this episode and several others, I'm going to start showing some examples of people who are doing exactly that. Welcome surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. We're back and I have a special guest. And so Beth Johnston is a general surgery, uh, also has a specialty in breast surgery like I do. And we have been in the same circles for a very, very long time. And so I'm so glad to finally, almost in real person, meet her. (laughs) (laughs) same circles for so long. And we got into a conversation about working different kinds of models because, uh, you know, we're all just trying not to kill ourselves with work and things like that. And so she has a new perspective on her practice and I'm really fascinated to hear all about it. So Dr. Johnson, tell me a little bit about yourself. I am, um, a general surgeon. I live in Oroville, California, which is about an hour north of Sacramento. I am married to a cardiologist and we have two kids that are ages nine and 11. I have a hospital-based practice. I'm an independent contractor with the hospital and there are three of us that are outpatient general surgeons, and we have two that are acute care surgery, but we also cover a few acute care surgery shifts. Um, We have a colorectal surgeon as well. And so we have a pretty diverse practice. I came on board about nine years ago. And, um, when I first finished residency, I worked with one of my colleagues who, uh, was my mentor when I was in college and he recruited me to come and join the practice. Now, is this a private practice and you work at the hospital or is this a hospital owned or what is the exact model? So the hospital runs the clinic and the staffing and all of that. I get paid by what I do and I am an independent contractor. So I I still get health insurance benefits, kind of like at an employee rate and and dental um, and vision, but but I do my own retirement planning and, and get paid 1099. Interesting. So it sounds like you're a little bit of a hybrid. So you're getting some of the benefits of being hospital employed by joining some of these, you know, general groups, but still maintaining a little bit of the 1099 and and tax benefits thereof. Correct. So interesting. Now, do you contract with insurance companies through the hospital? The Um, hospital takes care of all of that for me. So are you just RVU based then? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they, they do that. It's some kind of hybrid model. It's like a percent of billable, but it's, um, it's, it's basically RVU based. 
And so take me through a typical week for you, if there is a typical week. Yeah, no, I have a typical week. I typically don't work Mondays. I typically have clinic all day Tuesday from eight to four uh, with a lunch break. Uh, I typically do scopes, both EGDs and colonoscopies on Wednesday mornings, probably from seven to 1230 or one, uh, and then have Wednesday afternoons off. I typically have OR day on Thursdays. If I'm busy, it's usually an all day affair. If not, sometimes I get done a little earlier in the afternoon or if they're efficient, uh, maybe a little earlier. And then Fridays, I have clinic on Friday mornings. And now, has this the way it's always been or has this evolved over time? Yeah, that's the way it's always been. When I first came, I had clinics starting at nine. Over time, as I got a little bit busier, I pushed it up to 8 a.m. But I figured I could always get busier. I couldn't always cut back. So I kind of set it so that it worked this way. And it's worked super well, especially when my kids were really little. Uh, and having Mondays off has been nice. When they started like first grade, second grade, I would take them out of school on Mondays and we'd go do stuff. That was fun. It's so, always nice to be able to have a three, three day weekend too. Very nice. Yes. And I was going to ask if you worked on the weekends or if you do these ACS shifts or any call, or is this pretty much what I, you when I first started, they didn't have the ACS thing going. And so I would work one weekend a month. Um, and usually it was one day a week, sometimes two week. Now that they have the acute care shifts, now I'm sort of, um, uh, they put me in taking a week, a month of the acute care shifts for the next few months, because one of my partners is having, his wife is having a baby. So he's going to take a little bit more time off. But for a long time with the acute care surgeons, I was just taking one night of call a week and no weekends. That's amazing. You know, because a lot of times, you know, we just get in these models to are working ourselves half the death and call. And how have you adapted to this model? Have you had any trouble or any downfalls of this model? Well, no, not really. I mean, it's, it's been challenging with COVID for a long time. I like, you know, for what, three or four months, I wasn't working at all hardly with COVID since they shut down elective surgeries. That was, that was actually more stressful on me than anything to, to not have things to do. I'm so used to, you know, being busy and, 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 you know, having a job that defines me, uh, that that was a little bit, you know, challenging. Um, the, otherwise, you know, I'm happy overall. Very nice. I think a lot of us are not, are still trying to recover from the, the pandemic. So what did the pandemic timeframe look like for you? So my husband was working harder, I think that during the pandemic, uh, as a cardiologist, he was taking inpatient call and all this stuff. So it was really stressful. I think for him, you know, gowning up and all this stuff, thinking about possibly bringing it home to us or, you know, a, a lot of those worries, you know, and then I was trying to take care of the kids and their schooling and stuff at home while he was doing that. Cause they were at home. They were trying to do log onto the computer and do these assignments that I was supposed to be helping them with. This is not my area of expertise. I'm not a teacher. So it, it was pretty stressful. So we just were like, you know, we had talked about a lot, like, I don't know when we first moved here like eight years ago or whatever, we had talked about possibly taking a year out when my son was in sixth grade and traveling around the U S and during the pandemic, we were kind of like, well, 
either we're going to do this or we're not. He's starting sixth grade this next year. Are we going to take the plunge and do this trip or are we not? And I think the pandemic kind of pushed us over the edge where we were like, look, we can't keep doing this anymore. This is too stressful. It's stressful at the hospital, stressful. His practice wasn't as um, nicely streamlined as mine. And so we said, look, we're going to do it this year. So last June, like last, last March, I think we bought an RV and in June we took off and we had to be ready to quit our jobs. So we had to be like, okay, well, if, if they say no to us, we'll just quit and do locums. Um, and you know, it took a mental rearranging to get to the point where we could like mentally be like, okay, yeah. I mean, we like our jobs and we don't really want to quit, but that this is important enough to us that we'd be willing to quit for it and find other jobs. And frankly, I having like some colleagues who are like, look, you could come work here with me. You could come work here with me. Having a few options that I was like, I knew if I needed to, I could find a job somewhere else, uh, gave us the ability to be like, okay, I think, I think we could do this. We also kind of planned ahead and we we were in a lower cost of living area. We bought a house that was a short sale for cheaper than market, you know, in the area. And so we had sort of already intentionally um, decreased the amount of stuff that we would have to worry about if we took off. Yeah, it sounds like you were living below your means. I'm really just blown away at the courage it took to do that. And I think a lot of us aren't really, you know, looking at the idea that our jobs can be flexible. And, you know, the ability for us to think outside the box and say, I really want to do this in life. And I want to do this when my kids are this age. Oh, um, and coincidentally, a pandemic, but whatever. But the, you know, mostly it was just the guts to do that. Um, and I think that your thought process behind this was so sound of saying that we've got this saved, we have less to worry about. I have colleagues here, I've got locums, you know, recognizing your worth and that knowing that you could find anything anywhere, I think is a lot of things that we miss. Um, I think over time we've devalued ourselves and, and didn't think that we could just pick up and go to any job. And I think that you're deciding that is what freed you up to this really amazing opportunity. So take us through what this uh, trip was like. So we walked into our CEO's office in March. Well, I think we did it at like the, I don't know, the 60 or 90 day mark. It was like, you know, where we would have to quit or we would have to, you know, you know, make some other options. And we were, you know, we, we made an appointment and the secretary asked what it was for. And we just said, practice options. We left it really vague. (laughs) And um, so when we walked in, we told him that we had been thinking about doing this trip. And what we had thought was that what we'd probably do is travel for six weeks and then come back and work for two weeks. So we'd work the last week of one month and the first week of another month. So basically we'd end up working one week a month. We just batch it so that it was two weeks at a time. So we'd travel, we'd leave the RV in storage and we'd fly back and work for two weeks and then fly back to the RV and go ahead along our trip. So, um, so he was 
he was really supportive. It helped, I think, that the chief nursing officer had retired like the week before and then her husband had an MI and passed away right when they were going to go start traveling. So he was like, yeah, do this now while you're young, when your kids are at this right age to do it. I mean, we wanted to do it before my son started middle school because we knew that he would want to be with his friends and all that when, you know, when he was a teenager rather than uh, now when he could you know, take in a whole bunch of stuff without having to miss his friends. So anyway, so he was really supportive and he was like, I thought you were going to quit on me. <laughs> but <laughs> so he, he, he wanted to retain us, you know, and we told him we like our jobs and want to keep doing our jobs. We have both built up over eight years, a, a, a pretty solid base of patients that we see on a regular pay- basis. Um, so, you know, we, we felt like we were able to, you know, squeeze in those routine visits on the two weeks that we were here. And so, you know, he said, well, let's try it and see how it works. And, you know, it's been a year now and I think it's worked out pretty well. Now, are you still doing that or was that for a set period of time? We are still doing that. We'll be doing that until mid-September. So we're here for three weeks in July because one of my colleagues wanted to take three weeks off. And, and so I, I made it. I, I made our schedule so that I would be here the three weeks that he's off. And then, um, and then we'll be traveling in Alaska in August and make our way back home by September 10. So it sounds like your colleagues were pretty supportive. And did you find them starting to request more time off after? Um, it hasn't really been after yet, but I, uh, you know, we've always been a group that we valued our time off. So one of my colleagues has taken a month at a time and done some mission stuff. One of my colleagues, his family is in India. So he often takes a month at a time and goes to India. You know, one of my colleagues was from Austria and he would take a month at a time and go to see his wife's family in Austria. Uh, and so, and I've taken like a month off before and gone to Madagascar. So we've always kind of had that ability to, to cover for each other. And even though we're not partners in any legal sense of the word. We've always functioned as partners and been able to see each other's patients when we were gone and covered for each other as much as we needed to, because I think we unusually for a surgery group valued that time off uh, aspect of it. That's really great model. Um, And I think that's really the key is, is having good match of partners. Um, I have a a partner coming in and she's going to sail um, around the Canary Islands with her dad for two and a half months. Um, and he was worried about, you know, what I would think about her. I was like, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I tell people that finding good partners is like finding good spouses is more important than your spouse because <laughs> they have to support you through all this stuff. You, you know, we support each other other ways. There's, there's times that they have health issues. They've all been out with COVID at one point or another in the last year, and we've covered each other then. So I've done scopes for people who are out on with COVID. Life happens. Having partners that cover for you that kind of way is really key. Absolutely. And, you know, I I do think that there's still a lot of holdouts of of people who would resent taking time off. And so it's great that you found a group um, where that's not the case. And I hope that that we were really slow with COVID too. And so really probably we're more of like a a two person general surgery practice, you know, maybe two, two and a half person uh, practice. So it actually ended up being one of my partners wanted to work more, but it was slow. And so it was kind of nice in a way that I was out. So he was busier. Do you guys see each other's 
patients like like would you work up someone that's the next person would operate on and, and vice versa yeah yeah i mean we like to see our patients before we operate so it's not like i would work somebody up and then then put them on the or schedule and he'd, you know my other my colleagues never see them but i would work somebody up and get them ready for the or and then he'd see them you know a few days before the or and, and put them on the or schedule or you know see them and put them on the or schedule Got it. Yeah, I'd heard. I think Kaiser is where someone was working where they they do that. They just uh, they they don't actually see them beforehand. They someone sees them in clinic and then you just kind of go and your OR schedule is filled with people that you may not have met that before then, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't really like that style of doing things. I am sure that it's very efficient, but one of the things I enjoy the most about my practice is the relationships I have with people. Now, I will say that occasionally my colleagues have worked somebody up for a colonoscopy and I've met them the morning of, you know, because for instance, they were out with COVID and if they were already on the, you know, scope schedule and I could do it and they'd already taken their prep or whatever, then yeah, of course I'll, I'll do that. No problem. And, and, and I probably wouldn't have minded if people had started putting patients on my OR schedule too, but, uh, but it's not really how we work. So, <laughs> so tell me the, some of the places that you visited and uh, how did you plan where you were going? So we, my, my whole plan was I wanted to be where it was like 70 to 75 degrees the entire year. <laughs> so we made our way up North in June. And then we went over to uh, Voyagers in Minnesota and upper peninsula of Michigan and made our way across New York into Canada, we went to Prince Edward Island. So we, that was our summer last year. And then we like fall, we made our way along the East coast, down the East coast, made it to Florida by December. We went to the U S Virgin islands. One of the things we really wanted to do was go to visit as many national parks as possible. And so, um, so we, we hit as many as we could. That's why we went to the Virgin islands because there's a national park in the U S Virgin islands. And so then we, made our way across the South in the spring and up through Utah, and then um, went up to Yellowstone, Glacier, Banff, Jasper, and we made our way up to Whitehorse, Canada, where my sister lives, and left my children there for three weeks with her while we came back to work. And then we'll go do Alaska. Very cool. I was good. How are your kids holding up? <laughs> my son is done with this. He's like, I don't <laughs> want to see an RV again in my life you know he's turning 12 in September so he, he wants to be with his friends he wants to play with friends he is tired of his mother and father he thinks I, I call him at my sister's house and he's like uh like you're trying to ruin my life from afar <laughs> he's he's a hoot but he definitely is super social and the pandemic's been rough for him because he would like to be playing with friends so this has also been, you know, he's had a great time. They've both learned a ton and seen a ton of things, but he's done. She's my, my daughter's nine. She'll, she'll, she'll put up with anything. <laughs> my kids are similar ages. I'm laughing, thinking me trying to do this. I tried to do one trip and then I got vetoed. So I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Our homeschooling's been a little bit, um, uh, experiential let's put it that way uh homeschool by national park service junior ranger guides and science museums and you know hands-on uh learning about nature but um yeah we we try to do like a formal history thing that was that was pretty good but uh it's sort of fizzled at this point it's summer kids are done with it 
Now, mm. do you expect your life to kind of get back to more traditional starting in the fall or what are your yeah. next? I think we'll probably just go back to doing what we did before. And it seems like my, my, uh, hopefully work week schedule will be about the same. Hopefully I'll keep my OR Thursday block time. You know, I don't know. We may have to rearrange some of that stuff coming back, but hopefully it goes back to kind of where we were at before. And it's so interesting because I can already start to see that we're starting to forget a lot around the pandemic about the uncertainty and the the alterations of the schedule and, and all the things that were, were going on. I mean, just, it's so easy to forget some of these things. And so how interesting, I don't think your kids are ever going to forget this for sure. <laughs> I, I hope not. I, mean, I hope we did it right by them. I've, I, you know, I grew up in Hong Kong. So I spent three years in Hong Kong when I was like 10 to 13. So that was really a pivotal, you know, time period for me as far as, you know, the growing up years, but also just being international. And so I, I would have liked to take them, you know, international places, but we couldn't do that with the pandemic anyway. So this was a really nice way of exploring, you know, the U.S., So what would you recommend to someone who's interested or contemplating, you know, uh, life a little bit different? What were some, what were some of the things you would recommend for them to consider? So I, obviously, like you said, uh, picking your partners uh, and a practice that would support you in doing something a little bit different. I think planning ahead a little bit too, like we did, um, even when we picked our jobs, picking, you know, a, a house that we could leave with our nanny for the year and she did house sitting for us and we could still cover both the mortgage and our, our travel, you know, without having to worry about it and have to rent out the house to somebody else because, you know, our mortgage is not very high. So we kind of set the stage for this even a long time before we actually did it. So cool. I mean, I think that just your example is going to be so helpful to everyone else who is, you know, a little bit burdened out in their job or, or has this desire to do this. Cause I think that we, a lot of times get trapped in our jobs. And I think the more that we consider this as an option, um, the more our colleagues consider it as an option and employers do that we can allow surgeons to work a schedule that works best for them, you know, with the cooperation of their partners to keep this sustainable, because a lot of times, you know, we're all just um, maybe working ourselves just a little bit too much. Yeah, I think, you know, from a hospital standpoint, there's like sort of an efficiency, you know, that they feel like they could try to get as much out of their, their surgeons as possible. That ends up working us to the bone, and we all get really tired and it, it's just, it's too much. Whereas if you look at your employees as, you know, people with, with unique um, motivations and interests, then uh, you're more likely to retain people and have them be healthy and productive for a longer period of time. So uh, I think the working people to the bone and then just recruiting somebody else uh, model of doing things is really um, not a great model to have. Right. And I think that you know, this can potentially extend your career. Um, and I do know, like I have a couple of my mentors too, whose um, spouses have either passed away or had strokes and, you know, you kind of saving all these things that you want to do for later 
we sometimes forget there may not be a later. So I think that your example is going to be so helpful for all of us who are, you know, kind of also getting older and trying to, to think about all the things that we want to do with the time that we have left. Absolutely. I, you know, it was funny because in January we we're like, I don't know, we're, we're in the Virgin Islands. It was beautiful and it was gorgeous. And I was, I was, uh, I had just gone swimming that morning and I was walking back up to my room and I was thinking to myself, this is great. You know, everybody should do this when they're young and can actually enjoy it that like they can go swimming every single morning and have fun. And then I tripped and fell like flat on my face. And I was like, I hurt my knee. And I was like, oh man, like, I should, uh, obviously, you know, you know, this can happen anytime to me <laughs> that I can't do the things I want to do. And, and, and I went skiing in January and I tore my MCL. So I wasn't as able to be as mobile as I would have liked to be on, on a lot of the trip. I, I, some of the hikes, we couldn't do as long a hikes as maybe I would have liked to do. So yeah, your health is not, uh, you can't take it for granted. Anything can happen like anytime. So I think I'm not one of those people that was going to shoot the whole wad and like, you know, uh, go nuts financially <laughs> just to live my life, you know, uh, to the hilt right now. But, um, so we did it calculatedly, but we definitely did, you know, seize the, seize the opportunity. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I know you mentioned the trip to Alaska, but what else is next for you? Oh, I will never stop traveling. I want to go to New Zealand in February, maybe. So I have a long bucket list of international places I'd like to visit. And, you know, then I think I'll be settling back into my practice, which will be nice too. Um, and, and, you know, seeing my old patients and meeting new patients you know, the kids are going to start getting a little bit older. So doing some more, you know, age appropriate stuff with them, they'll be fun. That's fantastic. Well, thanks again, Dr. Johnson, for coming on, because I think that your, your story and your lesson and, you know, your opportunity to, to do things in a different way is going to be such a great example for others. Yeah, no problem. If you want to hear more information about the Boss Business of Surgery series, go to bosssurgery.com.